Hello, and thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Well, good morning, everybody. If you haven't met me before, my name is Pastor David. Well, actually, my name is David. I guess I'm the lead pastor, so it's not on my birth certificate that I know of. Not Pastor Dave. Um, No, it's good to be here this morning. Um, I think I said in one of my emails uh, this week, I didn't sign up for this weather. Pretty sure I was promised that it was going to be warm all year, that I wouldn't have to shovel wet snow. Um, No, it's good. But it's supposed to melt by Tuesday, right? So, yeah. It's nice to see the snow. Um, Speaking of emails, I just wanted to mention... Uh, every week I've been sending out uh, another email called The Rest of the Week, which is kind of like uh, take the sermon maybe a bit farther or thoughts that I didn't have time to share or a challenge for the week. But we're not sending that one out automatically, so if you do want to receive that, you do need to get a hold of myself or Taylor and just send us a note saying you'd like to be signed up. Otherwise, we would just be sending you spam. We don't want to give you something you don't want. So if you'd like that, you do need to ask for it. I had someone ask me about that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is next Saturday, January 27th at 7 p.m., we're going to do our, our scripture discussion of John chapter 1. So if you'd like to be a part of that, please come on out. It'll be really informal. It's not going to be a formal time. It's just going to be sit down, uh, gather the wagons, and just discuss that scripture together. Okay, Um, yeah, we're continuing this morning the discussion on why, why KZMC, why church, why are we here? And I do want to give just a bit of a review because I feel like it was a while ago we talked about this, and this is going to be the 10,000 foot review because I can't go into everything again, but if you're confident and you want to go back into the podcasts from the last few Sundays, you can find all these messages. If you can't find them, Let me know and I will send you a link. You can listen to them all if you want to catch up. But we've been asking the question, why? Why are we here? Why do we do church? Why is KZMC here? And just going back over several Sundays, um, a while ago we talked about our identity in Christ as kind of a beginning of this discussion. Who am I in Christ? What, What has happened inside of me? And one of the points that I I want to bring up or remind us of is in Christ, we have all been brought to fullness. If you are a follower of Christ, there has been a spiritual work inside of you. You have been made new. You've been born again. You've been given incredible capacity to serve. We talked about this idea of you were once crippled spiritually, but now you've been made whole. You have legs. You can run. God has made you full. Um, and so the question we ask, well, if God's done all that, why? Why has he done that? What, for what purpose has he made me able to serve him? 
A few Sundays later, we talked about just some general principles as we go through this process of asking these questions and sort of reevaluating and wondering and asking. Um, I, I made a bunch of points, but one I want to remind us of today is I want to do this together. I want us to do this together. I don't want it to be me charging ahead, running madly down the road. I don't want it just to be our leadership team or our pastoral team. I want us to do this together, to ask these questions, to wrestle with these things. And so one thing I would say, if you've got ideas, if you've got dreams, if you've got concerns, if you've got stuff rolling in your mind, uh, come and talk to us. Take me out for coffee, grab an elder, say, hey, I've got some things I want to discuss. I think all our leadership team has that feeling of, we want to do this together. And there's that saying, if you go alone, you can probably go pretty fast. But if you want to go far, you go together. So let's go together. Let's, let's, not, let's not just let a few of us run madly. We want to go all together as a team. We're a team. Okay? And then I spent two Sundays uh, in the new, just before the new year talking a lot about the Great Commission. And we asked some questions. Well, what is the Great Commission? Well, it, Jesus told us it's, it's to go and make disciples. Well, how do we do it? Jesus told us. He said, baptize people and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So we told us what to do, how to do it. And then we asked the question, well, why? Why do we do it? We looked at some old church documents. We looked at old surveys. I sent out a survey, if you remember, asking you, why do we do church? Why is KZMC important? And we looked at the history of the disciples. We looked at a bunch of things. And we came up with this incredible idea that was seen in all these different things we looked at. Why do we make disciples? Why are we part of this church? Because it's in this discipling body that we experience God. And I think we've all tasted that to some extent. We've been able to see God heal people, move in people's lives. We've felt the hand of God in our lives as people in this church have reached out to us and supported us. We heard, when I asked those questions, I heard all kinds of testimonies from you, how you have experienced God in this body. So why do we make disciples? Because as we make disciples, as we are discipled, sounds obvious to say it, but we literally experience God. I mean, it's called the body of Christ. We experience Christ in this body. And so for me, one of the things that stuck out to me is the Great Commission is not an onerous to-do it's actually a grace that we've been given. We get to experience God. I mean, think about that. You experience God, the creator of the universe, as we carry out the Great Commission. Then we spent another Sunday talking about the Great Commission, and we noticed two things. In those verses, in the end of Matthew, we see Christ referring to his authority. Right before he gives the Great Commission, he says, guys, all authority has been given to me. Christ is telling us, guys, I'm literally God. 
I am God. I have everything is in my hands. I am in control. I am before all things. I sustain all things. Then he gives us the Great Commission. He tells us what to do, to go and make disciples. And then he tells us this. I will be with you. To the end of the age, I will be with you. He tells us that as we engage in the Great Commission, Christ promises to be with us. I read this the other day. If you want to experience God, you better start doing the things that he does. If we want to experience God, we need to join him in his mission. What's God's mission? To rescue, to renew, to help, to seek us out, to to love us, to care for us. If we want to experience him, we need to join him in what he's doing. So what is our why? What ought to drive us? What keeps us going? I think it's becoming clear to me that as we carry out the Great Commission, the reason we do it is we get to experience God. We get to know Him. We get to see Him work. That's why we are here. This isn't just a club. This isn't just a social hangout time. There's something that happens here that is deeply profound. We get to experience God. Making disciples is what we do, but walking close with Christ and seeing him move is why we do it. You know, I can't help but think, when I was in seminary um, in, in, in Briarcrest, right near Moose Jaw there, there was a number of, of small churches sort of south in the Assiniboia area that um, were look, always looking for seminary students to come and give pulpit supply. And so I had the privilege of going to several of them over, uh, I guess you call it my seminary career, and they were small churches. And there was one in particular, and the sanctuary was probably two-thirds the size of this one. And there was five people that came. And two would sit at the back over there, and two would sit at the back over there. And then the one guy who was on fire for God, he would sit in the middle, kind of about halfway up. So he was the, he was the most eager to hear me preach. And there were several churches like that that I was, I was preaching in. And no, I mean, no, I meant no, I mean, no, how do I say this? I don't look down on them in any way. They were, they were good folk. They were gracious to us. They were kind. If I could listen to some of those early sermons again, I'd probably be absolutely mortified. I was so nervous. I mean, it, it, it's actually worse to be up here if there was only a few of you than kind of a crowd. It was hard. It was hard to preach in those spaces. But I can almost guarantee you that they are no more. They were on their last legs. And every time I would leave, I kind of had this melancholy feeling as I left their service. And I wondered to myself, when, when did they hit the tipping point? When did they go from growth, started to plateau, and things started? I mean, whether people left or got offended or maybe people passed away. I'm not quite saying what I'm saying, but... I'm going to say it. I don't act, I'm not sure if I totally mean it. I don't know how else to say it, but it seemed like at some point 
God had left the building. It just seemed like they reached a point of no return. And I wonder if part of that is, when did they lose sight of the Great Commission? Because it seems like in the life of a church, when you stop making it about reaching the lost, it seems like God leaves the building. It doesn't happen right away. There's momentum they can keep going, but something happens. The growth stops. And I've often wondered in the last little while as I've studied this scripture when Jesus said, I will be with you. I wonder if he's not with us in quite the same way when we stop making his mission our top priority. I wonder. And I think we all can get this at least to some extent, whether we can articulate it or not. We all know that in this place, what drives us, what keeps us here is experiencing God. And I've said it already, but you can tell I'm stumbling a bit in my words. Maybe if we stop making disciples, we might stop experiencing God. And something can happen. So the question becomes, do we actually believe this? Do we actually believe that making disciples, fulfilling the Great Commission, being a part of KZMC, do we actually believe that this leads us closer to God, that we get to know God in this space? Do we actually value it? Because we can say we value something, but in in truth, our hearts are not there. Which leads us to perhaps the most profound statements that Christ makes about being one of his followers. The verses that Sabine read this morning. And I'd like you to turn back there. Maybe you're still there in Matthew chapter 6. Whether you've got your Bible with you this morning, or you've got your mobile device, whatever, I'd like you to follow along if you can. I'm reading from the NIV. Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to look at these verses again. So Matthew chapter 6, we'll take a look first at verses 19 and 20. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is telling us here the futility maybe even the stupidity of storing up for yourself treasures on earth. With all the salt on the roads, I think everyone in Ontario maybe has a better sense of what rust is all about. Everyone told me when I moved here, y'all, get used to spraying your car with oil. Um, Don't expect your cars to last. And I'm seeing a lot of rusty parts on a lot of cars. But that's, that's the fate of anything on this planet. Is it will decay, it will rust, it will fall apart. You know that advertisement from that company De Beers that said diamonds are forever? You know that's a lie? You know what diamonds are slowly turning into? If you left it long enough? 
you know what it is? They're not forever. They're slowly turning into graphite. Science, cool science fact that you never thought you'd know on a Sunday. <laughs> but diamonds aren't forever. Nothing on this earth is forever. It's all going to fall apart. It's all going to rust. Even your legacy, even the fame that you think you have, even someone like Albert Einstein. Whenever I think about someone famous, I think, well, Einstein's pretty famous. A couple hundred years from now, 500 years, they might know his name, they might know E equals MC squared, but other than that, so if he's going to be forgotten, how much more are you and I? We are not, our legacy is not forever. Jesus is basically saying your stuff will rot and people will eventually forget about you. So don't store up treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. And I can't think of anything that has more of an impact on your heavenly treasure account than leading people to Christ than helping people grow in their faith, discipling others. Because if people don't go to heaven, if they don't know Christ, where do they go? We don't want to say this word, right? Where do they go? They go to hell. Eternal separation forever. If you want to make an impact on eternity, if you want to store up treasures, if you want to heap up treasures, it's the Great Commission. Verse 21, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is of value to you is where your heart will be. It's what you actually value that gets your attention. If you value the things of this world, if that's your treasure, then you'll think about them. You'll obsess over them. You'll desire them. You'll collect them. You'll hoard them. They will be your focus. You'll expend your energy, your time, your money to get more. If that is what you treasure, your heart will be there. It will have your affection. It will have your love. And you will be drawn to it. But if you value the things of God, if you value heavenly things, then those are the things you will be investing in. You will sacrifice for them. You will spend your time, money, energy to obtain them, to seek them. And I know what some of you were thinking, because I think these same things. I think, Pastor Dave, can you just skip to the end here now? Because it starts to get a little sweaty and uncomfortable. Because if I look at my life, when I have the courage to look inward for just a moment, I see that my heart is captivated by the things of this world. The shiny new thing that I want or desire. Status. Legacy. To be, to be known, to, to be important. If I look at my heart for just a moment, I, I see how sick it is.
And I know you feel the same, or many of you would, because you live in the same world that I do. And in North America, we, we have absolute opulence. We have all kinds of shiny new things to get, new campers, new motorbikes, new sleds, new cars, that fancy new quilting machine, the Quiltmaster 9001, you know what I mean? You all want that one, right? All these things that draw our attention. Look at me. These things get sewn into our lives. Would physically pain us if they were taken away. Then we have verse 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? For so many years, these verses absolutely confused me. I, I, what in the world? And then someone said, think of the eye as like a skylight. And where the skylight is pointed, that's the light that fills the house or your life. So if your skylight is pointed to the things of this world, that's where your focus will be. That's what you'll see. That's what will grab your attention. That's what will fill your heart. That's what will consume you, worldly things. But if your skylight is pointed heavenward, that's what you'll see. That's what will fill you. That's what you'll desire, heavenly things. So we have to point our desire to heavenly things. And then Jesus says this, Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Simply saying, you can't have both. You can't hang on to both. You can only have one. And I think we know that if we try and hold on to both, we know which one will creep in and win and consume our heart. So if we know our why, if our why, if why we are here is we get to experience God, to see him work and to know him as we partake in making disciples, if we know that, if that's our treasure, then where should our heart be? If that's our treasure, where should our heart be? If our treasure is in heavenly things, then where should our heart be? In other words, what should we value? Well, we should value making disciples. We should value things that build community here. We should value things that lead us closer to God. We should give more. We should serve more. Our home ought to be more open. We should be praying for the lost. We should have time and margin in our life to reach others and to, and to engage with people in our community. We shouldn't be so busy that we have no time for others. 
We should be concerned about our neighbor. We should be concerned about our friends and our family. We should be doing things that have a heavenly impact. So the question now becomes, as we take this one step further, we ask the hard question. Do we actually value those things? In other words, are we actually doing them? Are we doing them? Do those things consume us? Jesus said, where your treasure is, that your heart will be. Are our hearts there? Are we weeping because people are not coming to Christ? Are we deeply concerned for our neighbors who don't yet know him? Is this actually our treasure? Would you sell everything to gain it? Would you give everything you have to get it? We can say it is, but is our heart actually there? Here's what I think for the vast majority of us. And I can say this not because I am some prophet who has heard from God. I can say it because I live in the same world that you live in. We live in a world obsessed with material things. We live in a consumerist society. We buy and throw away, buy more, buy the next. We live in a world obsessed with material things. It's very easy to get tied up and stuck in that world. It's so normal to us. I remember being in the Philippines. We were way up in a, in a jungle village. I mean, they had nothing. They had grass huts and harvested bananas from the jungle. I mean, they had nothing. And I'm sitting, maybe I've told this story before, I don't know. I haven't been here that long, so I'm probably not repeating quite yet, but it won't be long. I remember my dad, I think my dad probably had like seven sermons, and they just kind of got rehashed. No, not quite. Not far off, but not quite. But if I'm repeating, whatever. I like the story. So I'm sitting in this jungle village with this family, and there's at least four generations sitting around the campfire. We're drinking coffee together. They're laughing. They're singing songs. And, and they said to me, they said, Dave, you're so lucky. And I said, why is that? Why do you think I'm lucky? Well, you come from North America. You have everything. You have cars and houses and, and money. And I'm looking around and I see the stars in the sky, beautiful jungle landscape as the sun's going down. They're all sitting around with their family, just enjoying life, loving each other. And I said to them, I have absolutely nothing. You have the riches. But we live in a world where we're told that all this stuff is what we need and what we want to be happy. It's not true. But because of that, I know that most of us, we've been trying to serve both and the one has taken over. We, we too are captivated by material things. My dear friends, God is not looking for lukewarm 
worldly followers who only have one or two toes dipped in the water. He wants us to go all in. Several years ago in, in Grenfell, there was two young men who came into my office at different times and they had not spoken to each other. But the two of them had the exact same conversation with me. They said, Dave, I've got a great job, beautiful house, everything I could ever want. Got a wonderful family, beautiful wife, kids are healthy, we're all healthy and strong. We've got a, a cabin down by the lake. Um, you know, everything is going well. My job's going well, nothing but, you know, good things for the future. But then these, these, these successful, good men, with tears in their eyes, looked across my desk and said, Dave, isn't there more? And that's the question I've been asking for a long time. God, isn't there more? And I know some of you out there are asking that same question. Isn't there more? I tell you, there's more. There's more to life than just success here, gathering your things, having a great career, having all the, the things you ever wanted. There's more. But it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage for you to look inward and look at your heart and see where you've been captivated by the things of this world. Because God is calling us. I believe God is calling KZMC to seek heavenly treasure. He's calling you young people, you young men, you young women. He's calling you to seek heavenly treasure. Do not be fooled by what you see around you. The world does not have all that you could ever want or need. There is more. But it's going to be a fight because the enemy doesn't want us to go down this road. He doesn't want you to look at your heart. He doesn't want you to lay aside your earthly treasures. The enemy is very happy for you to be consumed with the things of this world because you can't serve both. You know, we can think about this as individuals and I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to pray. I would encourage you to seek God. I would encourage you maybe to find ways to serve in a greater capacity, to give, to, to reach out to your neighbor to maybe start a small group in your home. There's all kinds of things you can do to start walking down this path. Because if we don't start to turn the ship, there is a point where it, it becomes too late. There's churches all across our country that are closing, that are dying. There is a point where it gets to be too late. We can think about that as individuals, but I really want us to think about this as a church, as a body together. And so I'm asking you, I asked last time I talked about this, I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to dream. I'm asking you to read and to study and to engage and to look at your heart, to look at what we do. 
I want us to do this together. There will be power in unity as we go together on this. Someone said once, God is a lot more concerned about unity than he is about progress. If it takes time for us to go together, fine, so be it. I want us to go together. I want us to be in unity. I don't want us to run ahead somewhere and, and make a mess of things. I want us to go together. I wrote in my notes here, I need you to champion this. This is not something that Pastor Dave gets to champion. This is you. This is us together. I need you to champion this. The great thing is, if we are brave enough to look inward and ask God to heal us and ask God to help us, God is here. We're not alone. All we need to do is to come to him. And in just a moment, the ladies are going to come and lead us in one more song. And you can call it an altar call if you'd like. Maybe a better term is I just a response call. I just want you to respond to God, however you see fit. And for some of you, maybe responding to God this morning, looking at your own heart, asking him to come and speak to you and help you to see Maybe for you, a response is just going to stay in your pew, bow your head, read those scriptures again. Maybe you want to stand and just open your hands or raise your hands. Um, maybe for you, the response comes later today. Go home into a quiet place. Um, but if anyone would like to respond by coming forward, for me, that's always been very meaningful. I remember being a young teenager at, at altar calls, and I was always so nervous because I knew that God said to me, Dave, it's got to cost you something. And I know because you're so shy, God kind of knew that if you really mean this, Dave, you're going to step forward. And for me, it's, it's kind of stayed with me. I, I, I know that for me to respond, it's got to cost me. I've got to move my body. So if that's you and you feel like that's how you need to respond to God, we'll just have the altars open. These front pews will be open. Um, as they sing that last song, just come and, and just say, okay, God, here I am. Maybe you want to bow a knee, whatever you would like. Just, just try to respond this morning. So I'm going to pray, and then they'll come and, and lead us in one more song. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, if anything that I have said this morning is not of you, that it's just Dave, I pray that it would just fall away. But I pray, Lord, that the truth of your word would be what lingers in our minds today. Lord, that you are, are calling us. Lord, I think as a, as a body, we are beginning to have a glimpse of why. But in order to keep going, God, I, I, I do think we need to let go. That we need to look inward and see where our hearts have been captivated. How the things of this world have taken over. The things that ought to be our treasure are not. So God, as we respond this morning, I pray you would speak to us. I pray you would touch us. And Lord, as we... For those who need to go, Lord, we just bless those who need to leave. Lord, as we enjoy coffee together, would you be with us as we share? We commit the rest of our day to you.
In Jesus' name, amen.